0: Hi, church! It is such an honor to be with you guys this morning. We are so excited to be here, and um, it's very different because we just came out of two months of Tanzania, and this is our first church service being back here. And it's very different than a six-hour non-stop singing. La, 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 dancing, clapping for <laughs> six and a half something hours, um, and sweating, and yeah, so this is very different, but we love it here, we love South Africa so much, so, woo! Um, and so we as a team, we come from Posh, Fine Fragrance is a branch off of YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission, they're all over the world, and we just really believe in Jesus, going after him, and loving Jesus, and making him known, and so God really placed on our hearts, George, because we really feel like God is moving and doing something here. And it's so, so amazing and exciting to see how God is even igniting, like just being here, like this place is already on fire and it's so amazing for us to join and even see what God is doing and how he's like, he's just bringing um, wind or I don't know, but he's fanning the flame or the fire here in George. And so we're so excited to be here. And so we're going to share two short testimonies. Um, so Yeah.
1: Hi guys, my name is Megan. Um, So she just asked me to share a testimony and the first thing that came to mind, um, there were so many like deliverances and like healings and miracles, but the really the thing that impacted me the most was our first church service in Dar es Salaam. It was after three weeks of being in the bushes, (laughs) we came to the city um, and we went to this one house church. It was this little it was like a house, like it, it was, didn't have doors, it was this little house with this humble pastor and these six or five or six members, and they were sitting there waiting for us, and we came, and you could see in the pastor's eyes the hunger that he carried, because they were in this village that was a Muslim village, um, so it was really, it was mostly Muslim, and then this was this little church that, sh- um, that, that had the light. There was other churches as well, but like it was more Muslim, and we, we came in there and we um, started to worship. Oh my goodness. And as they started to worship, you could you know you can hear when worship is really out of the pure art. Like you could hear the purity. And as this pastor and this this like little like like all the people started to sing like the Holy Spirit just like fell on that place. And like all of us were on the floor and all of them were on the floor and like they were baptized with their spiritual giftings and like their tongues and it was it was just I was so like in awe of what the Lord was doing. It was like that fear of the Lord moment of like Jesus just stepped into this little house in this little village inside of this Muslim place to come and do something. Um, And what just stood out for me is like the intimacy and the hunger that that church carried. Like they were like, we want to see change in this village. Like we want the Muslim people to come to Jesus. We want like to be the light. And they stepped into that church with that hunger. And the Lord met them at their hunger. And I think that's just something... Even for the church, even going back to my own church, it's like, what is my hunger that I carry? Like George can be transformed because we all carry the light, but what is our hunger for it? And we can actually pray and step into that hunger for it, like praying, Jesus, I want to be hungry to see George transformed. Jesus, I want to be hungry to see Port of transformed. And... It came out of that place of intimacy. Like you could see, look, you could see the intimacy that all the people carried with the Lord. And if they didn't carry that intimacy with the Lord, like they would not have the hunger for the people around them. Because otherwise you walk past a Muslim and you don't care because you don't actually have Jesus' heart for that person. So just to encourage you, like even praying for the Lord, like I want to carry the hunger you have for the people. I want to drive past and... My heart wants to, I want, to like, I want my heart to break for the people that I'm driving past because He will meet us there. Like, He will bring revival if we are willing to step into that place. And it was just so encouraging because it was this little, very poor church, but the hunger and this, like, they had so much more than most people have because they really had the Lord. They really carried the heart of the Lord. And it was just so inspiring. Um, so I just want to testify about that. Hello everybody,
2: my name is Taylor, and this was also a very transformational trip, but I'm going to share part of a personal testimony for you guys. And I remember I was actually in, I was in grade 10, and it was the year that I really, really began to love the Lord. He met me in such a real way, and after meeting him, I began to get his heart for different things. And reading the Bible, he began to show me That when we go to heaven, the throne will be surrounded by people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And the nations are a part of his heart. He loves the nations more than we could ever know. And once I began to catch his heart for the nations, I was actually singing the song. Do you guys know the song, Joy of Surrender? I don't know. But it was during that song. And I was actually in one of my teacher's classrooms, public school, not allowed to talk about Jesus but the students can initiate and invite the teachers in. And I fell to my knees, and my feet started feeling like they were on fire. And after this moment of surrender, the Lord says, I'm putting your feet on fire because I'm telling you to go. And I realized that there's a whole world of people that have never heard of the name of Jesus. There's a whole group of people. We have an opportunity to go to church, read the Bible without bloodshed, but there are people that are being murdered and being killed just because They're repping the name of Jesus. And my heart began to break because he is our daily bread, but there's people that have never even tasted bread before. They've never tasted the bread of life. So it's all of these people that are basically walking around with a spiritual eating disorder, that they are starving and wasting away because they have never experienced life in itself. And I realized it's part of our responsibility as the body of Christ, as the church, to take a stand and walk with him. And I want to know, what would you think that this world would look like if every Christian stood up and said, I want to take the love of Jesus to my workplace, to the schools that we're at, to our families, to our neighbors? And I want to leave you with that question. And last thing, if you feel your heart stirring to go share the gospel, but you feel like you either have a lot of fear, or you feel like you don't know how, or you just want more of a passion to go share the gospel— I want you to just raise your hand, and I'm just going to pray for you very quickly. Yes. Okay. So, Jesus, I thank you that you are the bread of life. I ask that you give every single person a burden of your word to go ahead and want to go share the gospel not out of a place of duty but out of a place of wholehearted love for you Jesus because when we come close to you we get your heart Lord so I ask that you pour your heart out over this church today to want to go share your word with boldness to go and speak to the neighbors and to the people of the schools and to take your love even to the hardest places here But even the places where people are already in and their spheres of influence, will you begin to take it to business, into politics, or whatever it looks like, Jesus. But I thank you for this church in your name. Amen.
3: Thank you, guys. That was very inspiring. Okay, so what are we going to do at the end? Because they really carry something. I was... I think I was just touched by the Lord. I do cry often in church. So. That we get to that we get to have what we have. Just the, the presence of God, the Bible, God himself, the forgiveness of sin. Somehow we still find it difficult to share it with others. So I just put up my hand and said, hey, we need to be able to share with everybody so thank you so much so what are we going to do at the end they're going to be up in front with our with our team but i want you to to come forward and just to to get a blessing from these young people some of us haven't had people laid hands on us in a very long time because some are we think we are more mature or we're now old enough to now lay hands on other people so we don't need to receive but you need to receive uh, we went portraits through him in the beginning of this year, doing some ministry and James went with James, our worship leader, worship pastor of show for movement. And uh, they prayed for him and he said, My life changed because of their prayers. Nineteen year olds, twenty one year old, Sarah, maybe you twenty five year old, I don't know. Twenty four. Y'all be you thirty five? No, not yet so yeah let's let's just let's just soak it in Lord, and we just come to you today lord as as people that love you Jesus as a as a family that wants wants to be obedient to to what you have called us to do, the great commission and loving people and loving God and we're just so blessed by what's happening through fine fragrance, the YWAM people, but also throughout the church globally Lord, and we see that you. Have your hand on the church, and not even the gates of Hades, like you, you prophesied in, in Matthew 16, will prevail against your church. This group of people, normal people like us, Jesus, following you, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Everybody says, Amen. So we're getting to the end of eternity, the series of eternity and eternity. Thought it's going to be a great opening line, but that fell flat. Um, and uh, so, just to recap, we, we basically started and said we want to build something that will last for eternity. We want to build on truth because truth will last for eternity. We want to leave a legacy that will eventually help people to get into heaven. That's what we said. First sermon. Second sermon. We spoke on, on what's the one thing that we can take with us into heaven. 1 Timothy 6 verse 7 says, Like with nothing you came into this world, with nothing you will leave. But the one thing that we can take with us is we can take souls with us. In other words, you are placed in this world to impact the people around you. You are rubbing shoulders with people and they're going to live for eternity. They're going to live for eternity. Everybody in this room will live for eternity. Everybody in your business, everybody in your school, everybody in your family will live for eternity. And we have the responsibility. And it's not a burden that we carry alone, it's a burden that we carry the yoke of Jesus Christ with Jesus. He helps us to impact those people. And then last week, Luke did a brilliant message on on family and eternity and the one thing that really stood out for me was he said that family is not going to last for eternity your marriage is not going to last for eternity so why do we have family why do we have marriage so that we can impact people again souls so your family is an instrument to bring people into Christ i was so encouraged by Michael he shared his testimony the other day with us and he said the reason why he came to Jesus, because of his wife's family, the presence of God in their home specifically, the peace of God. So there's Chris Marie's family just living out Jesus. And because of family, Michael got to know Jesus. And praise the Lord for that. the huh, Michael? <laughs> she's an introvert, so she's screaming it out on the inside. And today I wanna I wanna speak on an identity. But before we get that, I think it's just uh, worth mention that I don't know if you're following the news, but in America, something that was instituted into the Constitution in 1973 it's the Roe v.ersus Wade court case where abortion became a constitutional right for every woman. So in other words, by by the right given to you through the country's constitution, you were allowed to abort babies. That was overturned this past week. So now it's not a constitutional right anymore. But in some states, people are still will still be able to, to get abortions. But I think it's, it's amazing what God's doing because a few years back, people said they will never be overturned, even people in church. But now we need to trust, say, Sometimes I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with our infatuation with America. We actually have an American, yeah? But in this case, it's great. Because we are seeing something happening in a secular country, or supposed to be a secular country, uh, which still, their constitution is still mentioning God, etc. And they have overturned the case that allowed people to, or women, to get abortions. So now, in South Africa, we need trust for the same thing. Because South Africa, we have the most liberal laws when it comes to abortion. More people were killed through abortion than through COVID. They they don't know the exact amount because, as you've seen on the lamppost all over George, you'll see, hey, abortion clinic or abortion. We don't know where those things happen. Definitely not in in MediClinic or in George Hospital, the ones that, that are advertised on the, lamp, on the lamppost. So I want us also just to, to take, a time out, take time out now and just pray for this to happen in South Africa because people are getting killed. Um, and it's, for me, it's just interesting how, how people are responding to this and especially secular media. One of the Afrikaans' news channels said, this is an onslaught uh, against women's rights. So it's an onslaught against women's rights, rights except if you're in the womb and you're a woman, then you can be killed. Okay. So when I was when I was younger, I didn't really get this this whole thing about abortion and why the church is so much against abortion. I just thought, hey, it's the world and will always happen. But there's there's scriptural evidence that, in, in, specifically in Leviticus 18, where it says that that. Uh, sacrificing to the god of molech which is the 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 god where they sacrificed babies to brings the abomination it was an abomination in the eyes of the lord and will curse the land to the point where the land will vomit you out so it's we are literally allowing our land to be cursed and we want South Africa to be blessed and uh, mandisa there at the back is mandisa yeah you different hairstyle mandisa she' was doing a program work for a living 10 12 12 13 days 12 days 13 days and they're helping people to get jobs um, so they advertise jobs people come in they train them up and every course in every course they talk to them about abortion because they know that if, if we need to get rid of poverty if we want to get rid of poverty one of the things we need to align ourselves with the will of God and and abortion is not the will of God. And unfortunately, it's part of our culture. It's so easy just to get rid of the little baby. It's going to be a nuisance to you. It's going to make you poorer. It's going to poo when you need to clean the nappies. And, and it's going to take effort to take through education, bring through school. Okay, so let's just take time out and just pray. Um, if you can turn to, to the person next to you. And let's just pray two by two for... For God to change the government's heart in South Africa. Lord, we thank you what's what's happening for what's happening in America. Lord, we thank you that you have listened to the intercessors, Lord. We we're so grateful for the people who prayed and for people who stood up for, for righteousness and what is right in the eyes of, of you, Lord. And we ask for the same thing to manifest. In South Africa, in our government, in, in our laws, in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. And then the great thing about being a church is we're absolutely against abortion. But we also help people who have had abortion, abortions to get rid of their shame and to receive forgiveness. So it's so important that we do both. We don't hate the people that got abortions. We don't hate the people even that made the laws. We love them, and by engaging in truth and in relationship, the truth will be upheld, and the truth will will win. Great. So I want to talk today about, and it's going to be it's going to be quick. I want to talk about our eternal identity because one of the things that I felt the Lord. Uh, spoke to me recently about is that one day when we're in heaven, we're going to be so surprised by what we have. And and not necessarily the gifts that he has given us or the power or the anointing, but mostly we will be surprised by the identity that he has given to us through Jesus Christ that we didn't take up while we were on earth. So what is this? What is this? This eternal identity that He has given us that He wants us to take up so that we can walk fully in His will in terms of who we are. So we know that God created us in the image of God. We We are created in His image. So we carry worth. We are created in the image of God. We look like God. But because of sin, we know that was stolen, our identity was corrupted at the core, but in Jesus that is restored. So as a Christian, God has called us to identify with Jesus. There was a first Adam, he and Eve messed up. And one day when we in heaven, we're gonna go to our great great grandfather Adam and Eve, and we're gonna like, come on, guys like Luke always say, you had one job and you messed it up. We're probably not going to do it because we're not going to even think of sin when we're in heaven. But then there's the last Adam. Romans 5 talks about the last Adam, which is Jesus. So we are called to identify with the last Adam, the new Adam, the redeemed Adam, which is Jesus. And that identification happens on a couple of different levels the one is we need to identify with his death and we in the second service we're going to baptize people so they identify with his death so we take the person we drown him in the water for three minutes we keep you there and we pull you up and if you and then we deem you if you if you if you're alive after the three minutes you are spiritual enough to belong to this church you sign your membership and you're part of us Which is not true. Don't start that rumor. One of our pastors in Stalamos at a student camp, he just used the metaphor of circumcision. And he says, we must be circumcised. And then one person took it literally and there was a rumor on campus. And all people know that rumors spread quite quickly on Stalamos campus that Shofar is still into circumcision. So we had lots of ladies in the church. No men came to church. You'll understand why. Okay, so we need to identify with Jesus' death, but also we need to identify with His resurrection. And His resurrection is that He overcame sin. He overcame the devil. He conquered the devil. Paul goes as far as to say we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Was not it veners, He was as mere veners. But then we also need to identify with where Jesus is now after the ascension. And Ephesians 2 verse 6 says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So that is our identity. Not how you feel, not what has happened to you in the past, not what your mother said or your teacher said or your rugby coach or your ex-pastor or that person or the devil in your head. That is your identity. Jesus is our identity. So I'm going to just give you three very important aspects of our identity. and Then we get at the Fire and Fragrance team to pray for all of you. Because we need to actually grasp this in the Spirit. It's a revelation. It's not something that you can be taught. You need to grasp it in, in the Spirit. So number one, we are the righteousness of God. So... 1 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. This is actually something I didn't really understand until I came to George. We had a um, 70-year-old in our church, the only 70-year-old. I think the church was um, maybe one or two 40-year-olds. Leon Hanukkah and then Wimdani that was in his, in his 70s. <laughs> and then Wimdani would often say this to me, "Oh, I am the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Oh, you are the righteousness of God. And then somehow I I received that revelation through the, the, the pounding of Donnie's words to understand that we are the righteousness of God. So what does it what does it mean? So let's just read the scripture first. So 2 Corinthians 5. Um, it says, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So In other words, you need to be reconciled to God in in relationship. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So he gave us something. He became something so that we can receive something. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. So this is, it's quite a strong statement. Righteousness means that we are in right standing with God. But what Paul is actually saying here, he says, just as God is right, we are right. He's not talking about us winning the arguments with our wives or our children or our boss. He's talking about right standing. So if we are created for this specific purpose, we are in right standing not only with God, but also with His will, with His purpose. So at your core, we are in spirit. That is who you are. You are in right standing with that. It's a powerful thought. It's a powerful thought. When people come to me, they would say, Hey, I'm on you, confess some sin. Usually it's about pornography or sexual immorality or drinking too much alcohol or addiction, smoking, whatever it might be. Because we love talking about those things. I was also addicted to pornography, by the way, when I was when I was young. And God set me free. And one of the things that really took me completely out of that rut thinking that I'm still a porn addict, was this. When Don you are the righteousness of God. Bounding my heart, bounding my spirit. Hey, you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. Not on your own, but in Jesus. So then I would help people to understand, hey, you know what, that's an accusation. In Zechariah 3, I actually had the scripture up there, but I'm not going to go into, into that. There the, the, the high priest, Joshua, stands among the angels and Satan accuses him. And the metaphor that's used for him taking on that accusation is his, the, the dress that he's wearing, his cloak. And then God speaks and he says, angel, give him new clothes because he's pure. Is undefiled, and Joshua is the Old Testament name for for Jesus. So he's prophetically prophesying, hey, there will be a man. He will take on your old clothes, all of us as old clothes, our sin, our insecurities, our family's nonsense. He will take all of that on himself. The devil will keep on accusing, but then through Joshua, through the new Joshua, Jesus Christ, They will be taken off, and then will become the righteousness of God. So he became sin. He became all that dirt, the mess, the insecurity, so that you can be right like God is right. Will you still sin? Yes, because the only thing that's needed for sin is a free will. And unfortunately, God deemed it important for a relationship to give us free will because he didn't want robots. He wanted us to choose him too. Adam and Eve sinned in a perfect world and they messed it up. The only thing that they needed was free will. But we can choose to rather allow for the identity of Christ to be the driving force behind everything that we do. So that's the first one. Second one, that's probably the most important one, is that you are a son or a daughter of God. So we looked at this scripture earlier in the series. So John 8, 34, 36, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So in other words, you have a father, he's the devil, you're a slave to that thing that he represents, which is sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a song belongs to it forever. So you and then he says, "So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed." So when we are set free by the sun, we lose this identity. It will not always feel like that. I remember when I, I got full of the Holy Spirit in, in Stalagash. I was full of zeal for Jesus for a month of two. And then I I realized, yeah, but the sinful nature is still strong. The flesh is still speaking to me. The devil is still accusing me. What happened, Jesus, to this holiness? The Holy Spirit is now inside of me. Why am I still wanting to do sin? It's because the identity of being a son is already established in the Spirit. But this process of sanctification, identifying with Jesus' death, is often difficult. It takes discipline to discipline your mind. Metanoia, which we, is the word Greek word for repentance, it is actually to, to have a change of mind, to be transformed of your mind. So it's a, it's a disciplined thing. By the way, one of the most difficult things to discipline yourself with is to like yourself. To love yourself is one of the most difficult things. Because you know yourself the best, and when we do when we do a counselling, often people would say, "Hey, listen, but uh, um, I think I have this demon or this thing or this thing." But the most difficult ones are the demons that are connected to self-hatred, to unworthiness, which is so anti-God, because God says you are. Created in my image, I send Jesus. This is the price that I've paid for you. You need to like yourself. You need to love yourself. The Bible says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." So if you're gonna hate yourself, you're probably gonna hate your neighbor too. If you're gonna be overcritical about everything that you have done and all the shame and all the issues, you're gonna be overcritical with your neighbor too. So, we are not slaves of sin anymore. We are set free by the Son, and by the Son's blood, we are now also partakers of the inheritance or partakers of this royal family bloodline. So, that is who we are. That is who you are. But Satan will keep on accusing you just like he accused the high priest, Joshua. And he will try and take you back to the old man. And now some people go, and no, but you, therefore you don't have to repent. Therefore you don't have to confess your son. No, you still have to do all of those things. But then confession and repentance becomes beautiful. It's like, that is not who I am. So I'm going to repent of this. This is not God's image. I'm full of anger. I'm full of shame. I'm full of condemnation. I'm full of strife. I'm full of performance. That's not who I am. That's not how God created me. I can repent of everything that I'm not. Often use this metaphor. It's quite gross and therefore you'll remember this. So in the morning... And you, you wake up. You go, you, go to the, you go to the mirror and you often just look if everything on your face is fine. Eh? Women, do you do that? Men, we also do it every now and then. But then, so repentance is like seeing that pimple on your nose, those, that yellow, yellow one. And you go like, oh, I'm, I'm meeting the president today we are going to be at the pastor's office. I need to pop him quickly. So, so it just takes away everything that you're not. So repentance. So we are sons and daughters of God. I also reference John 1.12 where it says, everybody that believes in him, he has given the right. You're thinking of a constitutional kingdom right that you have that you are a son and a daughter of God. You are allowed to say to the devil, I am a son of God. Pa. I'll call my dad straight away. Okay, then thirdly, also another difficult, it was very difficult for me to get this, grasp this, you are actually a saint. Not not in Roman Catholic terms. By the way, I, I was so impressed also by by the way that the Roman Catholic Church responded to the Rovers' word. So they're brothers in Christ, sisters in Christ. We can work with, with people that follow Jesus. Ephesians 1, 4, verse 5 says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be what? To be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and and will. So often we we read this from the point that he wants us to somehow perform to a place of holiness and and blameless, a blameless lifestyle. But it, but that's actually what he has given us. He's given us holiness, and he has given us the ability to become blameless in our spirit man your soul where your will your emotions your personality your giftings lie will not often agree with what's happening in your spirit but that is in your that your spirit man paul also says galatians 2 20 that i've been crucified with christ so so at, at the core of who you are You have identified with his death, but also with his resurrection. And that resurrection brings into your spirit, man, the holiness of God. That you are blameless. Can you believe that? Can you believe that you are holy? And can you believe that you are blameless? So, I'm not saying you don't have to repent, you don't have to confess your sin, because that's hyper grace, which is also, it's a heresy. But what I'm saying is, Jesus died for something and we need to take this. This is our identity. Okay, to summarize, you are the righteous of God. You're on right standing with God. There's a... There's a, a channel of His grace, His mercy, His holiness, His empowerment, His power, His truth that flows through Jesus into you. And that is who you are. You are in right standing with God. Then, more powerfully, even than that statement, you are a son and a daughter of the living God if you are born again. If you're not born again, you are a child of the devil there's only two sides and we'll give you an opportunity to respond and say hey i want to be a child of the devil nobody wants to be a child of the devil but somehow the devil deceives us and think and allow for us to think well maybe he is a good father he's not a good father he's the worst dad and then because of of jesus we are holy We are saints at the core of who we are. We're not necessarily going to behave in that way. But that is who we are. My dad used this metaphor, this this story analogy. I've often used it, but for me it's brilliant. It's a little sheepy that walks and he falls into the dirt. And he stands up. And then the sheepy goes... I am a pig. And everybody laughs because nobody has ever heard a sheep talk. No, you laugh because it's not true. Because it's not true. He is still a sheep. All he needs to do, he needs to wash off the dirt and he's still a sheep. But the pig, he goes, he falls into the dirt, and he stays there. Why? Because it's his identity. That's who he is. He loves the dirt. So, if you are not a Christian, you're like a pig. You love the dirt. We can never condemn or judge the world because they're just doing what they, who they are. But we, we as Christians, we might fall. By the grace of God, we will be lifted out of that place to understand, hey, we messed up. We need to listen to the shepherd. We need to obey. We need to surround ourselves with godly people. Maybe drop that relationship. Maybe don't go there anymore. Don't tempt yourself. Don't stay up late at night on your phone, whatever you might need to do. You stole a sheep. Amen. Great, Ben, can you come up quickly? So and this is this is good news. So the application is very important. If you walk into your, and sometimes you speak to yourself, I, I, get, I get that I'm a saint, I'm the righteousness of God. And you speak to the devil or you tell him is. But you need, to, you need to apply the truth more than just speaking it. One of the things that messes up people for eternity, things that I've found to mess up, especially young people, is hypocrisy. So people would say, they saints, they would say, hey, um, look here, I'm a church elder. Look here, I'm a pastor. But they don't live it. So when you speak that identity, get a group of friends, even though you're full of nonsense, even though they know that you're full of nonsense and you still sin and you into this thing and that thing, get them around you and allow for them to speak truth into your life. Say, hey, that is not who you are leave the pornography leave the alcohol leave your bad habits leave the way that you speak to your wife that is not who you are leave the corruption leave the lying that's not who you are and then allow for them to speak truth about your identity also into your into your lives but don't everywhere just go like hey i'm so holy i can do nothing wrong Always been in church of so look at me, I've arrived and you know, that's a-